Welcome to the Peaceful Life Podcast. This is your host, Laura, coming to you from a cottage in the woods in the peaceful and cold mountains of California. I read an article the other day that inspired me so much that I reached out to the author and asked for an interview, and she agreed. So let's just jump right into it. Justice Bartlett is a writer, teacher, healer, and hypnotherapist. She studied massage therapy, NLP, neurolinguistic programming, which we've talked about on previous episodes, shamanism, transpersonal hypnotherapy, Reiki, and is also a public speaker. Welcome, Justice, to the Peaceful Life podcast. Thank you, Laura. I'm glad to be with you. Yeah, so I found you through an article that you wrote on elephantjournal.com, and I believe you said it went viral. It's called Positive Vibes Only is Toxic, The Danger of New Age Spiritualism. What a great title. Thank you. So here's a great quote from it to start out. You said, compassion is when we meet confusion and pain with rational thought and skillful means. It is not zoning out on your yoga mat, filling our houses with crystals and burning sage while the world actually burns. And I love the article, obviously enough to contact you and ask you for this interview. Uh, We both are kind of in what would be called the woo-woo crowd, the new age ideology. And as much as I do promote peace and positivity myself through this show, I was myself at the point where if I saw one more platitude meme in my timeline, I was going to scream because there's a lot out there. But was there an instigating incident or trigger that inspired you to write the article? There was actually, and I I mentioned it in the article, uh, coming across the meme for 2020, one of those positive vibe only memes. It just kind of sort of blew my circuits. And I wrote a big Facebook post about it and that got shared throughout, you know, my community. And I was like, okay, this is something I've talked consistently about for years. And um, I think it's a really important topic. And the more distressing conditions we see in the world and the more I think people are kind of taking accountability and working on their own personal trauma, there's got to be a meeting place where our own internal work motivates us to actually want to show up in the world in a beneficial way. I I think that's kind of what I'm writing about and speaking to with this article. Now, I reviewed your site too, and I've been working my way through your blog posts. But in your very first blog post, you say something really similar. You say, like any good actor in a play, we need to access the full spectrum of our human emotions to be able to play the role that we're in. And that's basically the point of the article too. So you've had this philosophy for quite a while. How did you get to this point? Um, You know, I grew up in a spiritual community, a kind of a new age community. So I got an introduction to uh, this way of thinking before I was even a teenager. I had sort of gone through um, a lot of what people take, you know, well into their adulthood to go through by the time I was, you know, 15, 16, and then started becoming more secular. So I actually uh, forayed through addiction, becoming a young mother, living through an abusive relationship, 
and then going on to become a public speaker in um in a large conscious teaching organization. And I have seen consistently the disparity in people who are talking about love and light only who are not aware of intending to their own anger, tending to their own pain and their own shadow. And I've had the the grace to have really skillful teachers help me work on mine. So I know it doesn't work. I know it doesn't work. Like I really thought when I left, you know, addiction land, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, shut the door on this and pretend like it never happened. But it was like, I found this incredible hypnotherapy teacher who was like, great, you know, it's like you stopped doing meth. Like, would you like to know why you started in the first place? <laughs> I was like, uh, I would actually. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, it's like it, it's getting into those deeply buried emotions. It's it's getting into childhood trauma and current life trauma. It's, you know, exploring the full range of our humanity that really makes us whole. It's not focusing on love and light only. Um, it's love and light into all of those places. Or as they talk about in Buddha Dharma, the practice of Maitri, befriending all of ourselves. So do you think over-escaping is ultimately um, a detriment to somebody's growth? I think it is absolutely a detriment. I think it's a form of spiritual addiction. Mm-hmm. I've heard that term before. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, when anyone, when we're just seeking out the highs in our life, uh, in any arena of our life, whether it's we're only eating food that, you know, that sort of gives us those dopamine rushes or we're only engaging in experiences where we, we feel that certain sort of high vibration, we're going to inevitably shut off communication, not only first with aspects of ourselves that don't resonate with that, but then also with others. And then we're going to experience cognitive dissonance when experiences come into our sphere that don't match that and that makes it really hard to communicate and act accountably as a human being mm -hmm. now i i know i've practiced some escapism myself i i think it's really difficult in this political environment to stay positive and we're all seeking kind of a comfort to it because it's it provides fear and it's, you know, it's depressing. <laughs> and so what do you suggest we do, not going overboard, but to have a balance of positivity and facing what's going on in our world today? Mm. What's the answer? Or is it per individual? I think it is a little bit per individual. One of the things that I understand about people who do tend to remove themselves from these, the intensity of these discussions is um, people who are themselves healing from trauma. It's detrimental to a person's healing to constantly be re-triggering those wounds in themselves. At the same time, the point of healing our trauma is, you know, not to continue on as if we're too sensitive for you know, the difficult things in life, but to build a place in resilience uh, in ourselves where we have healed enough, we've mended enough to not succumb to those knee-jerk reactions, but to understand that when we have an emotional reaction to something that not only is it a message for us to tend to something in ourselves, but to tend to something in the world. 
I recommend, you know, time in nature, uh, time offline, you know, really kind of being mindful about what you feed yourself stimulus wise, the kind of things that you watch, the the information that you take in, really kind of checking your news sources for what is genuine news, what is inflammatory. Mm-hmm really kind of learning and honing your own discernment, which really to a large degree comes down to being present, alive, and engaged in our own bodies. Right. And you also said, I think this was a response to one of the comments, is about concentrating on your own breath is really important to you. And you talk about how important that is to balance and centering yourself. Yes. The... I mean, you know, all practices take us back to our breath. And when we experience any kind of trauma or disruption in our flow, the very first thing that we change is our breath. We have an immediate reaction where we either hold our breath or we freeze. And that sort of reconditions everything in our body um, to operate from what I talk about in the article as being a trance state. So when we want to come out of trance, when we come back more into a state of aliveness and and wholesomeness, the very first thing that we're coming back to is our breath. I know in mindful meditation, which I practice in a weekly group, it's all centered around our breath as well. And what I told my teacher was, as an asthmatic, my whole life, I never wanted to concentrate on my breath because whenever my attention was drawn to my breath, this was my own trauma, it meant that I could not breathe. So I kind of had to relearn that and have my in mindfulness concentrate on my breath and realize that I can breathe and that it's a part of my life. Mm, beautiful. It's, it's interesting, um, but that, that was my experience because it was always very panicky for me to, quote, concentrate on my breath, but I've learned to make it a positive. Sure. Now, another, another quote in your article, it says, I love this one, the notion that we can simply focus on the positive and effect change is like trying to clean our bathroom blindfolded while simultaneously convincing ourselves that it's not dirty in the first place. And that's kind of what a saying in my repertoire is like, you need to open the wound in order to clean it and heal it. Is that kind of the same thing that you're trying to say? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I've felt a great deal of frustration with this idea that somehow that by raising our vibration, um, that that's going to create a new world and that the, the oceans are going to somehow magically clean themselves. And that, right. <laughs> and the, like, I mean, it's, it's fantasy driven drivel and it's dangerous because for the people who are here, who know in their core that they're here at this time, uh, in the world in this in this time in our evolution to be of benefit to get those kinds of messages that that is the effective practice for spirituality and being a benefit in the world is extremely detrimental it's not only detrimental for the individual but for all of us who actually are here who are living who want to make a difference so it, it is a matter of holding that optimism and I think a powerful idea is is the 
core of innocence and basic goodness is inherent to all of us and that what we're seeing in the world is the result of unaddressed trauma, unaddressed pain, loads of confusion and piles of neuroses that are just making their way out of our collective unconscious and individual behaviors in a way that's, you know, that's so detrimental. So coming back to tending to the things in ourselves that make us uncomfortable gives us the courage and fortitude to tend to the things in the world that are so, that are so dangerous, that are so detrimental, that are, that are really um, saddening and disheartening as well. How do you tell our political leaders to go into therapy though? You know, it's like, I know that's not something we can control. <laughs> hey, you might have some trauma you need fixing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, too, so I love to address personal accountability when people who help create those sort of ripple effects in the collective. Mm -hmm. And I deeply believe that the, the our political heads are a reflection of our own internal and collective consciousness so the the energy of misogyny the you know the energy of violation has been so rampant for so long it seems almost you know indicative where we're at with our own group processing though something that a figurehead would manifest at this point in our evolution for us to dress it in right. a big way. Well, that's a good point because I'm not sure if I mentioned this in my podcast, but I have to my friends and that, you know, I said, you can see this as a positive time because all this has now manifested and now we can deal with it and we can fix it. But if it's hidden under a rock, we can't deal with it. Well said, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, the comments to your article were actually very respectful and astute. I have to say that. Reader Jess said that new age might not have been the right terms, and he or she mentioned that maybe the word metro spiritual was better, which I thought was funny. Um, never heard that before. But um, it basically meaning spirituality commodified for mass consumerism. How do you feel about the new metro spiritualism? I think that's a great term. And if, you know, it's, it's a matter of reaching people with the terminology. Mm -hmm. um, even if it upsets them a little bit, they still get the idea of what's being presented. Right. I think metro spirituality, I, I think, you know, as anything that hits sort of mainstream consciousness, it tends to get commodified. Being in like the, like you said, the new age sort of community doing this kind of work, calling myself a healer kind of puts me in, in that community as well. And I think as with anything, it's like we have to exercise discernment. Mm -hmm. It's appropriate for people to ask for compensation for their time and skills. Um, it's not appropriate for someone to go out and take a weekend course and hang a, you know, hang a placard on their door and start working with people in a deep way, which they're not actually capable of dealing with. That's morally, ethically, I think that's wrong. I think when people are, are choosing, you know, healers, when people are choosing spiritual community, it, like I said before, it's a matter of feeling 
through your body, feeling the discernment, knowing yourself well enough, to whether your body is giving you a yes, this is wholesome and healthy for me, or your body is giving you a no, this is, this is not a clear path, this is not a good direction. Right, and that could lead people to dishonest or hurtful organizations such as cults. And if they're seeking something that they might be manipulated by that. And I, I, I think I read you using that word too in how you were brought up. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, it's kind of a loaded topic because as with anything, there is there's benefit and then there's um, there's you know, could a bit of human confusion and error and arrogance. Um, I think the danger for spiritual leaders is they may start out with good intentions. And as I think happened to the leader that I grew up with, I grew up in Church Universal and Triumphant. I believe the woman that was the head of that organization started out with good intentions and sort of fell under the spell of her own guruship. Yeah. And began influencing people's personal lives in a way that was completely inappropriate. And whereas at the same time, you know, she created this organization, created all of these publications, shared a lot of really beautiful, beneficial information with the world. And um, I saw through it by the time I was about 14, living in the organization. I was like, well, I can feel the relevance and the truth and, and the honesty in this. And this feels like just trash talk. Like this is just, this is garbage. This is trans talk garbage. <laughs> and and how did your family react? Were they also followers, I assume? Yeah, I mean, yes. Yes, I was born into the organization. My um, my father was a part of her staff. My mother worked on staff where our existence, we lived there, room and board. I believe there was a level of sort of disenchantment with some of the administrative processes from my mother, my father, I think, kind of tended to hold on to his sort of relationship with the organization for longer, even though he wound up moving away sooner. Mm -hmm. um, now, when I look at it, I can see, you know, the benefit. I grew up in a small community. I didn't have TV. I didn't have a house phone. I had mountains and animals to play with and creeks. And um, and I, I have a really, truly deep or spiritual foundation, not so much because of the theology and the that I was brought up in, but because of the environment that I was brought up in. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. And three things came out of it that I, I will remember to my dying day that are core spiritual truths for me. I am responsible, accountable, and obedient. Um, the way they said it was to my holy Christ self. The way I feel it is to my own organic intelligence to my connection with divine presence. And I hold that to be a foundational spiritual truth. I love that. Do you, so you had said that you believe that humans are basically good. And I've said in my previous podcast that I think we're born perfect mm -hmm. and then kind of get broken down through life. Do you think we can return to that core compassion and goodness that we were born with? I do. I, I deeply believe it. That's why I do the work that I do. I believe, yeah, I, I don't, in the Buddha Dharma notion that, yes, we are inherently innocent in good, basic human goodness. 
and that what happens is we we experience trauma when we're when we're younger and it doesn't have to be really significant it doesn't have to be this kind of like it's broken you down stuff it can be smaller violations but to every violation we create an adaptation and around that adaptation we build confusion and we distort our own awareness about our basic goodness and that distorts our awareness about the basic goodness of others mm-hmm. the more we come back into contact with that and practice befriending ourselves all the parts of ourselves especially that we don't like it's easy to be friends with the parts of ourselves that we like right <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> Great. But the parts of ourselves that we don't like, that's the parts that really need the compassion. And when we can practice compassion and practice communicating skillfully with those parts, we can also practice compassion and skillfully communicating with pretty much anybody else. Yeah. Um, and finally, I want to close. One of your readers posted a William Blake poem that I felt kind of summed up everything. It says, life is full of joy and woe. When this we do really know, safely through the world we go. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. So it's the yin and the yang. There has to be both to make a full person. Beautiful. I, I think that's a, it's a wonderful encompassing of the juxtaposition of what it is to be human. Definitely. Justice, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation and for posting that article. It's obviously affected so many people. Thank you for reaching out, and I'm delighted that the article is touching so many. It's such an important topic. You can read more about Justice Bartlett and her offerings at playfullyconscious.com, and I'll also put the link in our show notes. This is Laura, and you've been listening to the Peaceful Life Podcast. If there's a topic you'd like to see covered on the podcast, write me at laura at thepeaceful.life. To browse the full library of episodes, go to my website, thepeaceful.life. I appreciate each and every listener out there, including you. Remember, you are a spectacular human being. Thanks for listening, and may every sunrise bring you promise, and every sunset bring you peace.